Can you imagine our homes without heat or AC? It allows us to be comfortable even in the most harshest weather conditions. And for me, living in the Southeast United States with the hot, humid summers, it gets pretty rough without an AC because there's nothing really as refreshing besides maybe jumping into a pool then walking back into a nice cool house after being out in a hot human temperature. However, that comfort comes at a cost. Up to 32% of residential energy consumption comes from heating and cooling our homes. And with most of the electricity on the grid coming from fossil fuels and most of the coolants that are out there being quite harmful to the environment, there has to be a better option. And, and that is why I met with Joe. He's the CEO of Luft, and they are coming out with the world's first comfort service. And along with all that their service does, they also throw in a free window unit that does cooling and heating. So make sure you listen to this entire interview as Joe talks about how they're using machine learning and all types of sensors, providing you with the comfort you need without negatively impacting the environment. You're here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. Joe, do you mind telling us a bit about Luft and what you guys do? Yeah. Hello, Billy. Thanks for, for introducing me. I'm Joe, the co-founder and CEO of Luft, which is the world's first comfort service. We give our customers the most unparalleled insights into their comfort and their environment through a device that we give them for free with our service. So the service is all around keeping you most comfortable while reducing your energy consumption. And as part of the service, we include this air conditioner for free with your subscription, your membership. And yeah, we found out that like 50 million people, and actually I'll ask you, Billy, how do you generally use your air conditioner? So we have a like outside unit that has ductwork throughout the entire house but it's interesting for our house because our upstairs it does a terrible job at cooling our upstairs and so we actually have two window units in our upstairs rooms because we have two bedrooms upstairs and we have to use two window units because our ac does a terrible job of cooling those oh so, interesting you have multiple window units in your house with central air conditioning yes exactly oh, wow, that is yeah. actually pretty impressive and also i think a little bit rare but when you're setting your temperature how do you usually set your temperature so we have a thermostat downstairs for the downstairs temperature and then for the two upstairs rooms when we go up there we turn on the window unit to cool it down but it's not in a very efficient process i don't like it it's not very environmentally friendly because of turning sure, on yeah. these window units that aren't extremely efficient and so one of the rooms we have a ceiling fan and that really helps circulate the air to really cool it a lot faster and the other room we don't have a ceiling fan yet and so that room, it takes a long time to get it cool, get it to a nice temperature. But so it's not an ideal setup, but we have a 1976 house and we are trying to improve it as quickly as we can. But we just moved in February 
And so it's been a process. We have a lot of other issues that we had to fix first besides the AC units and being as environmentally friendly as possible. And I didn't quite catch it when you were describing it, but we found out anyways in our research that 50 million users of air conditioners who have either heating or cooling installed generally will set one temperature and forget it. Kind of like the old, I don't Mm -hmm. know if you're old enough to remember this, but there was something called the Ronco. I think it was Ronco grill and it was like a made for TV thing. And he would always at the end, he would put in like a chicken or like a thing in this little tabletop oven. And then he would always say that you could set it and forget it. And he would make the audience shout and forget it. Anyways, that's how a lot of Americans operate is that they just set one temperature and then forget it, which easily leads to, as you could guess, overconsumption in the name of comfort. So you think that you need to set this temperature and that it's whatever, 72 degrees, 75 degrees, whatever it is. And then you just let it run and run and run and run and run and run without ever thinking about it. And so we actually have no insights right now into how we're even consuming our comfort, how it's affecting the environment and what it's actually doing. And as a result, we're both damaging the climate and we're overconsuming, meaning that our electrical bills are much higher than they actually need to be for both heating and cooling. As you mentioned, you have an older house from the 70s, which makes me laugh because I I live currently over in Europe where the buildings are not only from the 70s, but from the 1770s. So we have very old buildings here with no central air whatsoever because they're so old. So I was laughing at that you mentioned it was from the 70s. Like it was an extremely old thing, which for us Americans is a very old thing. Yeah, it's the old adage where Europeans think 200 miles is a long way and Americans think 200 years is a long time. It is, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I haven't heard that one, but you're 100% correct about that one. So that's what we're doing at Lufto is that we've created this service that is a companion to this free device that we give. It's monitoring how you're using your user preferences, how you're using your heating and cooling, and then it optimizes the unit over time to use as little energy as possible while keeping you the most comfortable. That's what the service does along a bunch of other things that we'll dive into a little bit later, but that's the general breakdown of of Luft is a comfort service. That's great. I know when I was back in one of my apartments that we had a thermostat that you could program. So you could say, oh, start be this temperature at these times and be a different temperature at this time. So like we would go away and during the day for going to work and everything. And so during those hours, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m., 6 p.m. when we got home, we set it for 76, 78. And then when we were coming home, we'd set it back to the 72, 73, which is a more of our comfort zone. We don't have that capability with our unit here. So does the unit, can you program things in that as well? Or is that part of the service or does the service figure that out for you? How does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. So what you're talking about is scheduling. I think that's what they would call it in industry, in the HVAC industry is scheduling, where you would say, hey, from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m., I'm gone at work, traveling, so don't turn on or keep the temperature a little bit higher. I think when I was younger, my parents would just set like a higher temperature than what they think was comfortable. And then it would still run all day, just keeping maintaining that higher temperature as nobody was home. So that's scheduling. But our uh, unit in our machine learning algorithm actually... Uh, is connected to an app. So uh, this is how you we provide the service is through the application. That's your hub for all this information, the data, the analytics, the sensor by sensor data, overlays, combination charts. If you really want to dive into it, you can really nerd out on the data. But when you're actually turning on your air conditioner, you can do a normal type of like scheduling 
or you can activate what we call the Luft AI or Luft machine learning. And we start to learn about you and your family over time. And that way we know your habits, we know what temperature you're feeling, what around, and then we can take this data analyze it. And then the unit will, even when you just set a normal temperature, say 75, we have all this backlog of data that says, actually, you're fine around 73. So we're only going to heat the house up to 73 around this time based on this temperature outside. We know that you like it like this. And so even though you think you want it to be at this thing, we'll take over from there. And then obviously, if it doesn't work out, you can at any time go in and switch it. And that's only when the AI is turned on. Otherwise, it operates similar to a, a normal window unit, if you'd like. You don't have to use the AI features. And another thing that I can kind of perceive being asked to me, maybe from you or from someone, is uh, do we have the ability over the cloud to turn off your unit or stop it from working? As I mentioned, it's a service-based thing. So you pay for like a, a period of time, use all the data, the tracking and the optimization, and you get the unit for free. And then once that service contract, let's just say one year, 12 months is up, the air conditioner is yours. It's not like someone's going to come take it away from you. It's not controlled by us, by the cloud. So you can still use it. You just lose all of the additional features that are there. So the comfort features, like I mentioned, are we learn about your habits over time by actually learning about you and then applying that to our sensor data. And also we cannot control it or do some weird stuff from remotely at all with it. Gotcha, that's good. Yeah. And in terms of like the room is the sensor on the the unit or do you have a separate sensor somewhere else that you can place like somewhere else on a wall or something like that because i know like when i was mentioning my other room like it doesn't have good circulation so if you were to put a sensor right on the window unit like it would probably say oh we're happy here at 73 but on the other side of the room it's 79 and because the sun's coming in through that way all that kind of stuff so where is that sensor Sure. In the question is, where are the sensors inside the unit? And currently in version one of the unit, keep in mind, this is only the first version, we'll iterate after time. The sensors are inside the device itself. And it is both on the in-room side and the out-room side. So we're taking measurements from inside the room around temperature, humidity, this type of stuff. Also the same on the outside of the device, mainly because, for example, if you do put the device in a window that happens to get a lot of sun, and the sun is hitting the back of the device, the butt of the device, if you will. The coil on the back is doing work, either heating or cooling, but that extra sunlight is also adding either more or less work for the unit to do. So it's very important to take measurements from both sides of the unit so that we can really get accurate data on how to optimize the machine best. And currently, as I mentioned, these multiple sensors are on both sides of the device. And then also we use web-based APIs that are not in the room, obviously. These are things like weather forecasts from national services. And then we also take the user preferences from the phone app. We could, and we did think about taking sensor data actually from the phone app itself, as there are a couple things on the phone that we can take advantage of. But then that starts to get into privacy concerns through the app and other stuff. And so we did not want to do that. In the future, we might add other sensors or other smart products that go with the device. For example, we had interest from a sunshade company that wants to put a shade over the back of it so that it protects it from the sun. And that is something else that we could start including or uh, as you mentioned, a sensor across the room as the different sides of the room may also be different temperatures. But we do take that into account. And maybe even there's some AC units that we've seen patents for that are using cameras that use a thermal camera, at least to measure the room that it's looking into, which would also give us a good indicator of how warm or, or cool 
a room is based on a thermal image. But when you start adding more sensors and more pieces, then it obviously gets more and more expensive. And one of the things that we really wanted to do is uh, make it as affordable as possible and accessible as possible. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of climate and climate change, what is the efforts that you guys are doing in terms of working to fight against climate change? What pieces of your device are looking to better those conditions for this market of window AC units? Yeah. So we're talking as this, the title of the podcast about green business and about climate change and saving the environment or lessening our burden on the environment. And I want to know like what in the unit or what we're thinking about at Luft, how we're thinking about that. There's a couple different factors in the device that think about climate change and then also in the service itself. So for example, we can start with coolants. As you're inside of an air conditioner, there are like these copper pipes that run through it. And in these copper pipes is actually a liquid slash gas that hovers between the two different states, depending on how cold or hot it is. And this is called your coolant or your refrigerant. Some people call it one, some people call it the other. But in older units that a lot of people still have today that you might have in your home, use a coolant that is either called R410A, which is hopefully the one that you have as it's on the market, currently the best one. And then even older ones use something called R22 or other numbers that get worse and worse as you go down. And these coolants contribute to a global warming. There's not a lot of coolant inside the unit, but if the pipe breaks and the coolant gets out, it adds emissions into our air that are not good. Also, the process of even creating will release some sort of small emissions. It's not a huge amount, but over a period of time, and as you accumulate more and more, then there is ozone depletion potential. And they're actually rated on that. So these coolants are rated on ODP, ozone depletion potential. And we use the newest one on the market. It's called R32. And that has currently zero ODP, ozone depletion potential, which is obviously very important if we're trying to be as sustainable as possible. And then they are also measured on UP or global warming potential. R410A, the current leading one, has a global warming potential of 6,700 something. Somewhere around that range. I don't know the exact number, but it's around 6,000 GWP. And R32, the coolant, again, that we were very insistent on using when we were building and putting our device together, only has a GWP of around like 600. So it's quite a large decrease in global warming potential from 6,000 down to 600. And pardon me, on the whole scale, I don't know what the highest number is, so I don't know how to actually rate it. But obviously zero is where you want to get to. There are some other hybrid coolants coming out that offer a little bit more that we would like to experiment with or embrace in the next versions of the unit. And so we're constantly trying to stay on top of the coolants to make sure that the liquid inside the device has as less impact on the environment as possible. And that's just in the coolant. So that's just one small part of it. Other parts, as I mentioned, is this machine learning where we're trying to reduce electrical consumption. You might not know this, but one of the leading factors of blackouts, so like rolling blackouts where a city loses all power, is from air conditioning and surging demand for comfort services on either very hot days or on the other side, very cool days. And I should mention, I mentioned hot and cold because our device is one of the rare units that does both heating and cooling. So you don't have to switch the device out in the winter or switch it out or hide it in the winter and then put it back in the summer just leave it and you can maintain your comfort in your room all year round, which is, I think, very awesome. But 
one of the things that we're doing is using this machine learning to optimize energy consumption so that you're using less electricity so that we could potentially either remove these rolling blackouts. If we can achieve an increased efficiency for a unit of just 8%, study out of Berkeley showed that we could eliminate blackouts. If we can get as many people as possible to embrace a loof device with a little bit higher efficiency, we can potentially remove the strain on the grid, which is lessening the burden in general on the climate as energy production is one of the leading polluters of the environment. And so in our small way, we're trying to reduce the burden to then reduce carbon emissions through electrical consumption. And then there's other things that we're going to do in app around our community tab, as there's a tab for community where you can connect with other loofters in the area to see how you're saving versus other people. You can see statistics on the whole community and how much we've saved. We have little contests of, okay, it's going to be an especially hot day, whatever, on Thursday. If you don't use your loof device, you can be entered to win a couple months free of service, or we'll plant a tree for every person that participates in the green out day and these sorts of sustainability features as well. And then additionally, as we mentioned, it's a service, right? And with the service comes benefits and you need to be taken care of as a customer. And so in addition to things, new clean filters every two to three months as part of the service, we also include free upgrades. So if the Luft version two comes out and you have whatever enough time left on your contract, let's just say six months, then we'll give you a free upgraded device as part of the service. So you get the Luft two with the new sensors, with the new the sunshade that comes with it. And then we just encourage you to pass on your old device to a friend, family member, or someone in need of comfort, give them the, the V1 device. And if they also want to learn about their comfort, help save the world, then they can join the, the service at a much, much reduced rate. And then that way, we're actually encouraging people to recycle their old units and be more sustainable with the hardware as well as the software as well. Because the hardware waste is also a huge way that we're impacting the climate that people just don't think about. You've seen the oceans filled with plastic bottles. This stuff has to end up somewhere and that's uh, that's waste. And so we're trying to also encourage less waste with our uh, with Luft as well. Yeah, definitely. Are you looking into the possibility of also reclaiming those devices too? Like saying, oh, if you don't want to pass it on to the next person, bring it back to us and we will use those supplies to create version 2.0? For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Reclaiming or recycling, that's also very important to the US government, the EPA. We have to do reclaiming and recycling services. So that's definitely something else that we have as part of our business is the reclaiming of the old units and then recycling as it becomes some parts become scrap metal some parts need to be dealt with in a hazardous material type way like for example the coolant and other parts whatever the plastic can also be melted down and reused definitely reclaiming or even then reselling as used units on our site so just go and then when the v2 comes out you can come and get a reclaimed refurbished v1 for a much, much cheaper price. That's great. And what led you to want to create Loop? And why was these pieces that we talked about with using the most efficient refrigerant with the least impact on the environment and trying to create these machine learning algorithms to help really cool the room more efficiently and reduce the impact on the grid, all of this, what was your leading reason for wanting to do all of this? Yeah, that's actually, a, I think, a bigger question than, than you realize. So pardon if I have a long answer. I hope that I'm not bored. No, no, no. Go ahead, please. Long answers. So actually start with the short part, which is I come from a background of like game design and just design in general, delighting people, building fun and making cool stuff. But I also studied a bit in Silicon Valley under the tutelage of a guy named Tim Draper. He's this 
crazy billionaire over in Silicon Valley that he was like the first investor in Hotmail and Tesla and SpaceX. And he's had so many wins along the way, lots of losses too, but so many wins. And his family was one of the first families to make a venture capital firm in California. He's a third generation venture capitalist, very successful billionaire. Exactly what you think of when you think of an eccentric billionaire, a high energy, cool guy, wears a suit, has very big eyebrows. So I worked with him for a bit. I have a background in game design. And so I'm conditioned to think big, to think world changing. And also because of that, my interest in technology and venture capital to think about where technology is going and how we can use tech for good. And I also don't like the focus, especially in investing in the past couple of years around like intangible stuff. For example, the huge craze around NFTs, for example, I didn't see personally this type of trend is really benefiting humanity in some way. Sure. It's nice for ownership, but really when it comes down to owning a digital good, like that doesn't really reflect the real world in my opinion, and it doesn't affect us in the real world really. And we have real world problems that we need to solve. And so I didn't want to go into just making another company is worried about Web3 NFTs or worry about making another human resources software or financial tool. Like I wanted to make something that actually brought joy and brought real impact into the world and also helped move our mission as humanity to kind of take care of our planet and exist in a positive direction and not in a negative direction. And originally this project, which as we've said, is called Luft, L-O-F-T, comes from the German word Luft, L-U-F-T, which means air. I just, we added the double O's because I like double O's. So <laughs> they're called, fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was originally <laughs> called Seeing It's Cool, which also, as you see, has a double O in it. So it's got cool, just a thing. I don't know what it is. I like the double O. <laughs> And meant for hotels. And I was working at a venture builder. And what we wanted to do is we were looking into something called cooling as a service. Have you heard of cooling as a service? No. So cooling as a service is another type of a green climate business or just a climate business. As you can imagine, when you're building a big building, like a warehouse, like an Amazon warehouse or like a skyscraper, there's a huge central air that has to be installed, a huge HVAC, enterprise level HVAC unit. And as you can guess, they're also very expensive to install this big unit. And with all the ducts and everything, it's actually one of the more expensive parts of a building. And a cooling as a service company will front load that cost. So they pay for the installation of this huge HVAC system. And then they also provide people to run it and optimize it for the building. So the construction company doesn't have to pay for this big system. Someone else is paying for it. And then they don't have to optimize it or run it. Someone else is doing it. But they have to pay this other company like a, a monthly payment over time to do this. And so what they're doing is providing this cooling or heating system as a service. So hence cooling as a service. It's growing in popularity, especially in more developing countries like India or in South America, as again, it reduces the cost burden on new buildings to something over time instead of something upfront. And then also they're getting a really optimized system. And so we were looking into this and we were being inspired by it. And what we wanted to do, we knew that in America, like hotels and motels have these through wall and window air conditioning units, but generally they're all outdated. As I mentioned, they have bad cooling, they have bad electrical consumption. They're just really power hungry, especially when they're being run all day and they're just outdated 10, 20 year old systems. And what we wanted to do, or we thought about doing was buying a bunch of new air conditioners, like top of the line, new ones giving them to the buildings and then optimizing them for free. So the hotel or motel in Louisiana could upgrade their cooling. And then also they would just pay over time for this upgrade. The business was moving forward. I was not 
going to lead it. We had other leaders involved as I was focused on building it. And then COVID-19 hit. And so the project was shelved and we were like, we have to see what's going to happen with the world. There's a new virus, pandemic, what's going to happen? So we put on our masks for a couple of years. And then when they came off, we thought about this Genius Cool project again. And Genius Cool product again. And we still wanted to found it in America, but the founders had moved on with their lives. It had been two years. And at the time, as I mentioned, I'm over in Europe. So I was the only person with an American passport that could take over this business. And so I started rethinking about the business and I was really inspired by this company called, ironically, Whoop, which also, again, has the double O. Don't forget my search engine, Billy. What do you think my search engine is? Google. Not Yahoo, which also has the double O. But anyways, I was inspired by Whoop, which is a fitness device that monitors your heart rate and tells you how much you've recovered from your workouts and gives you health information. And then you pay for a service of monitoring all the time and they give you the device for free, which then you just wear 24 seven and you get some insights into your heart and your health. And I was like, Hey, that's a really cool business model and idea. What if we applied it to genius cool? And instead of aiming at hotels and motels and buildings, we gave it to consumers instead because they could benefit from this type of machine learning and energy consumption. And so I started looking at it more and more and it started making more and more sense. And that's how this whole thing developed is that it started as one thing and then there's something called a pivot. And then the idea changes and new people come in, new ideas happen. And then I took it over and then I started applying my own morals and stuff to it, as I mentioned around climate change and wanting to save the environment, make something real and delightful that real people can access. And so that's where this came from. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for the explanation. That was, that yeah, was really sure. great. And I think that's really important as a business owner, you're always going to have to pivot at some point. You have things come up and things come along. And with COVID happening for you, the genius cool, just the whole hotel industry was basically like shut down because nobody oh, yeah, was yeah. traveling anywhere. That was not going to go very far. Being able to pivot and say, hey, no, this is so like a good idea, but understanding how you could pivot into, oh, like, hey, let's make it for the everyday consumer versus hotels. I think that's really awesome that you guys were able to pivot in that way, which is really great. And what are you guys starting right now? I know you guys have looked into starting a Kickstarter campaign. Is that going live soon? Yeah, we have at the time of this coming out, which I mean, maybe somebody is listening to this years later, but who knows? At the time that this is coming out, we are entering the market through a Kickstarter. I chose to enter the market through Kickstarter specifically because I think that the Kickstarter community is very tech friendly and they're very tech, they're early adopters. So on the tech adoption curve, before it gets to the masses, you have these early adopters at the very start that are like very risk friendly and they're willing to take a chance. And I think that the Kickstarter community represented that for us very well. And also a heating and cooling device. There's only been like one or two of them, even for the market on Kickstarter. So we think it's a good match for us. And so we're entering into Kickstarter, hopefully within the next, at the time of we're recording this, it might actually be live when you put it out. But at the time that we're recording this, within the next four weeks in September, September 2022, around the middle end of it. You can go to joinloof.com if you're interested in both becoming a member of the Luft family and finding out more about our Kickstarter. We'll have it there. And we also, I should mention, since we're here, that if you do and you're early enough, like we have absolutely incredible early backers. I think they're called early backer rewards. There's like early bird and then the Kickstarter deal and then the normal price. 
And the early bird discount, I mean, is for the unit that you're getting and for the price that we're offering at 50% off market price is absolutely incredible. And we only have a couple hundred of those that we're like able to put into the market at that price because we also still have to make money so that we can still build and finish delivering the product to everyone. But if you can get in early enough and you have an older unit and you could somehow yeah, upgrade it using Loof, it's a pretty incredible deal in my opinion, based on what's out there on the market. But yeah, we think that uh, Kickstarter is going to be a really good market entry point for us because it's just fitting. Have you backed some things on Kickstarter before? Yeah, I had a interview that I did with Truth Belts a couple weeks back, several weeks back now, and they were launching their cactus belts. And so they have a belt that's completely sustainable because they use cacti that are grown in Mexico that mm. they're able to create the leather for, the leather that surrounds the belt. And then they also have inside of the belt, they use recycled tires to actually create like the in, inner side of it to make this belt. And they're really long lasting and really, really great. So it was really cool to be able to interview her and talk all about how she created truth belts and all of that. And then they had a Kickstarter campaign that they launched. And I think that part is the early bird I, that you mentioned that, that part is done, but you can still, I think they're about to have their product released okay. in November here soon. And soon for, close, but yeah. for the listeners who are just listening, that's Truth, T-R-U-T-H, Belt? Yes. Belt, check it out. I need a new belt, so maybe I'll, when we finish here, <laughs> I'll check it out, you know? Yeah, definitely. I'll send you the link and I'll put the link and everything below so that everybody can and check it out and see more, yeah. And also go yeah. listen to that episode, Truth Belts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Truth Belts. It, it was a really good episode with Renya. She was really fun. Check it out for sure. Cool. Yeah, after, I think also I should mention that one, I want to give a little bit of, of faith to people. Once we uh, do the Kickstarter campaign in the next six months of where Luffy goes from here as well, is that once the crowdfunding campaign finishes, fingers crossed successfully, then next steps are obviously we're just focused completely on fulfilling fulfilling our promises that we made during the Kickstarter and making sure that Luft is successful so that your device and short kicks ass. That's really what where the next six months are is we want to deliver them as quickly as possible. And luckily we already have a great manufacturing partner lined up. So they're ready to go to actually make the devices once it's done. It's just a matter of putting in the order and then waiting for them to deliver it, which I, I think some Kickstarters don't have that quite lined up by the time that they launch and are funded, but we are ready to go with a manufacturing partner already. Nice. That's awesome. And when do you expect that to happen? If all goes well with the Kickstarter campaign and the manufacturer and everything, when do you expect to be releasing these units to your backers? Sure. And this all comes down to obviously their capabilities and what they're able to deliver on. But they were actually expecting us to be finished with this already and have our campaign launched and almost finished by now as we were too. We wanted to launch it in July, not September or June, but delays happen and you got to roll the punches as part of entrepreneurship. But anyway, so they originally projected that we could have them in our warehouse by December and then we could deliver them as early as Q1 2023. And with delays and the way that things go and just based on my history now of working and watching delays with hardware and stuff, my guess is that our dates will be summer 2023 or like spring right before summer 2023 if it goes well if there aren't any more shipping delays and no more covid outbreaks this winter or whatever we're hoping that uh, to hit it right before summer of 2023 so in the spring sometime 
just a couple months after the campaign is finished. If everything goes well, obviously we have to keep everybody updated and there's a lot of challenges around logistics that need to be solved as well. And nobody can predict how the future is going to roll, but our hope is that it's very swift and smooth. Definitely. That's great. Yeah. And I think it'd be great the summer 2023, right before it starts to get hot, everybody gets their awesome loot device and can stay cool for the summer. Yeah, so and then also great. warm in the winter. So even if we get it earlier, yeah. it's still cold outside. Like you still have something to do with it. It's not just sitting. Definitely. Yeah. My window units that I have, they don't do heat. That's definitely a plus for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's also a newer technology that people should really embrace as it's also helping save the environment a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For your window units, do you have any plans to do any other different devices like with your machine learning AI? Do you mm -hmm. have opportunities to apply them elsewhere or you just focused on the window units for now? Yeah. And the name of this podcast is the green business impact, right? Yes. Yeah, from the business side of things, not just the talking to consumers, but also talking B2B, our overall vision is that once we have our model trained up and running and going, is that we have access to this via an API. So because it's cloud-based and we're patenting it, we're also going to give other businesses that maybe would be viewed as competitors, like other air conditioning manufacturers, access to our algorithms and our machine learning to then plug into their units, which maybe end up being not just a window unit, but a mini split. If you're not familiar with what a mini split is, because I wasn't before, we started this before I went down this rabbit hole. Uh, sometimes you walk into a room and you like a rectangle at the top. That's the air conditioner. It's like at the top of the wall near the ceiling. It's a rectangle and the air comes out of it. And that's called a mm -hmm. mini split because it's a split unit. So the inside one is where the air is coming out into your room. And then it goes through the wall with some pipes to a traditional like box unit outside. That's the actual heat pump conditioning part of the unit. And so it's called that because it's split between the inside and the outside of the room. You have to drill a hole in the wall to actually install it. It's not the easiest thing to install. Most people have a professional come and help them with it. But mini split is a device that's growing in popularity in the US and something that we also want to embrace as well. So maybe version two or after version two, we have a V1 of a mini split, moved mini splits as well for houses. It also gives us access to the European market. So as I mentioned, I currently reside, though I am an American citizen in Europe. And here we don't have windows that can actually put window units in because the window is here. And if you're watching in the video, you can see me opening it horizontally. So they open, they swing open horizontally and they open into the room, actually not out either. They open into the room or you can also turn the handle up and then you can tilt the window so that it's at an angle. And so it just tilts open, but that means that you can't slide it up and down. Like we're used to in America, these vertical windows. So putting a unit here in the window just doesn't really make sense. And it doesn't fit because it doesn't you can't close the window on top of it to keep it from falling over. And so mini splits are much more popular here if anyone has air conditioning, which really nobody does. Everyone just has heating. And so it gives us access to also more of the world as well if we have these mini splits. And then eventually as businesses grow, there's opportunities, yeah, to do other devices, of course, maybe refrigerators or whatever there is, microwaves, dishwasher, just throwing stuff out there. Like you never know where it goes from there. But we also want to focus or I want to focus very much on things that are software related to make sure that the business 
is as scalable as possible for the future as well. Yeah, definitely. It can apply to so many different areas of being able to see what is optimal levels of comfort. So that I think that'll be really awesome. Very excited for the future of that. That's really cool. And then I'm just going to ask a few more questions just as we, we wrap up here. So what are you currently learning right now? Yeah, what am I learning? That's a good question. And maybe I throw it back to you at the end and just also bounce it back to you. But uh, I'll make this a little fun. So there's a personal thing and then there's a business thing. So I'll start with the personal thing before we go into the business thing. But as I mentioned, I come from a game design background. I'm still an avid gamer. I like to play games as, when I have the free time, which is very rare, or I try to fit in a couple casual games as I'm working, maybe like whatever in between a meeting, just do a quick round of something. And something that I've been playing more recently is called Hearthstone. It's like a mobile card game. So you get packs of cards, you build your deck, and then you battle other people. It's also a competitive yeah. esport game. So there's actually competitions around it. And currently I'm learning how to get better at the game so that I can achieve legend status. Legend's like the highest rating in the game. And of millions of players, I think per month, only 10,000 people, 12,000 people make legend status. So it's like 0.02% of the player base or something like that, or maybe 2%. Wow. So it's very hard to get up to that status and not a lot of people get it. And so I'm trying to learn to be good enough to achieve that while also building this company. And why not really put a lot of pressure on myself? Um, got close the other one game away from achieving it and then just uh, just loss after loss. So I was just really, but that's, so I, that's one yeah fun thing I'm learning outside of okay. yeah, business-wise. One thing that I think is really important to learn about that a lot of entrepreneurs don't focus on is getting the word out there about your company. Traditionally, that's called PR, public relations. A lot of new companies aren't very good at doing it or don't think about how to do it. And so I'm trying to learn how to get the word out about Loot as efficiently as possible through PR, instead of just doing things like Facebook ads or whatever, YouTube commercials, which are great, super great, especially for B2C product. But in the beginning, things like appearing on podcasts can, are also extremely helpful. And so I'm learning about PR and I would encourage people to learn about it. And I was listening recently to a book, speaking of learning, called Free PR, How to Get Chased. I think it's that's what it's called by a guy named Cameron Harold, but free okay. PR, how to get chased is a really good book to learn about PR. And that's what I'm currently learning for the business. And what are you learning recently, Billy? Yeah, I think that's great. I liked how you put something fun into it too. I don't usually have that aspect of it here. So I'm glad you included that too. And for me personally, I think on the personal level, I am learning how to help my one and a half year old eat his meals because he likes to throw his food everywhere all across the room. And so it's understanding the psychology of a one and a half year old is a challenging ordeal. And so that's a big thing that I'm currently working on and trying to learn. Another thing that I'm learning too is just more around like the sales aspect of business. And so I was reading this book, it's called Self Futures, Not Features. And it's a really interesting book. And he gives this amazing story during the book about he was at a sales interview for a big company. And so they had all these interviewees come in and there was one guy who didn't get the memo of that you should be dressed in a suit and tie like everybody mm -hmm. else was. And then they go into these separate interview sessions kind of thing. And they are all in one small group. And the managers there is leading the hiring session, gives them the opportunity, says, hey, okay, everybody sell this pen. And so everybody goes through and says, oh, this pen is great. You can write amazing stories or whatever, going through and trying to sell the features of the pen. Then this guy that 
was not dressed up, didn't have a suit on or anything. He goes to the front of the room and says, who has a pen? He asks the question first, who has a pen? And maybe one or two people raise their hand in the room. Then he says, I have access to an exclusive party tonight with all of these like famous people and I can get you in, but you have to write your name and then your number down on this piece of paper. Now he's created the demand for the pen. Almost nobody has a pen and hey, he's got a pen for $5. Who would like to buy the pen for $5? He's not only trying to sell the pen, but he had, he created the demand for that pen by helping the customers, the other salespeople in the room understand why they need a pen right now from him. So that was really insightful, just like this mind-blowing moment that I had this past re weekend while I was reading this book. It's a great book and I'll link it down in the show notes below and everything. But yeah, really. And that was like, called Selling Futures, Not Features? Yeah, Sell Futures, Not Features. Good, good title for a <laughs> Yeah, he like puts his whole company is around that like phrase, Sell Futures, Not Features. It's this is a really amazing story. But yeah, let me go to a few other things. So who would be a great partner for you, for your company in looking to, to grow to the next level? Yeah, maybe other people think about this kind of in the vein of like business, like a business to business partnership. For us, we already have a pretty good partner in our manufacturer. They're one of the leading appliance manufacturers in the world. If I was able to tell you who they were, you probably have, would recognize their appliances. Maybe in not in the U.S. as they're still growing, but I think most people, if you looked it up, you'd be like, wow, that's a really impressive partner. Regardless, so we have a really nice business partner, but what we need right now or what I'm more interested in as far as perfect partners are kind of accelerators and, or, or multipliers. That's the word, not accelerator, because accelerator in a startup world is like a fund, like a venture fund that accelerates businesses, but we need multipliers. And what that means is, for example, investors that not only have money or interest in helping the Loofs or joining the Loof company, but can provide other things like connections to experts just in the HVAC space and in general. So my co-founder is a mechatronics engineer, but he didn't really come from the HVAC space. He came from like the mechatronics space. So people in that space, I know nothing about like shipping and logistics. I'm learning as we go along. So connections there or even connections to the governmental agencies. So our business requires requires a lot of regulations and legal things that I'm also not an expert on. So what I would say around like, who are my perfect partners? It's more people who can multiply my knowledge and help Luf achieve our product market fit and our business fit legalization, I guess you would say, just keeping things normal and in not making the mistakes, just people who can multiply our business to not make mistakes. These are the type of partners that, that I'm more interested in than another business partner or something. Great advisors, somebody who can advise you on the different steps to take and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Who can eventually become board members as an example, or just uh, investors that have experience in this space of making hardware things and putting them out to consumers that can bring in not just the money, but also the experiences. I think that's actually more important than the money is to be. Yeah, definitely. And then if somebody would like to reach out to you to learn more about Luft, if they would like to become your partner, become your advisor, join the board, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, many ways to get in contact with me. I can respond to all of them. Right now, I prefer email as I try to 
keep my inbox as close to zero as possible. Joe at joinloof.com. Just mention the website. You can also just go on joinloof.com to learn about our mission, our vision, and also buy a Luft device. Or you could also find me on LinkedIn. I think that's the only social media that I have that I actively use. And so those are probably the three best ways to get in contact with me. Great. I'll link that all in the show notes. And we'll also have a link there for the Kickstarter campaign once that goes live and we kick that off too. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joe, for coming on the show. It was great having you on, learning all about Luft and what you guys are doing and how you're really transforming the AC and window unit industry. So thank you no, so much for coming on the show. Like the thought is the, uh, the comfort space. We're transforming. The ah, comfort the comfort space. space. I like yeah. that. Great. Thanks thank for you. having me. And uh, it was a pleasure. So thanks for giving us a shot. Definitely. And if you enjoyed learning how Luft is making comfort more climate friendly, then I invite you to check out the link in the description below. And if you're here early enough, you can check out their Kickstarter campaign with an early bird discount for their comfort service with a free window unit included. So make sure you check out the link in the description below and upgrade your comfort. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing your weekly dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of the top minds in the green industries. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity.